0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Liz Bobka, and listen to Accidental Podcast or something like that. My today's guest is Robert Davies from Redfish Karate and one of the famous bastards, <laughs> that is, um, a permanent resident of a dark place of karate. And I hope today to explore the dark place where um, scrutiny, asking questions and questioning everything
2: is the right thing to do. How are you, Robert? I'm very well, thank you, Les. <laughs> Within the scheme of things, obviously, I have ongoing health issues, which have been a bit of a, a drawback for the last couple of years in my, my journey. But by and large, I think I'm doing better than most people at the moment.
1: Mm. Um I'm gonna start with something completely different, mm-hmm. which bothers me and uh, not many people can explain it to me uh, properly. Um, why in English language, Robert shortens to Rob, Bob, and many many other versions of it. I can't, <laughs> gra- I can't see the connections between some of the shortcuts you're making.
2: Okay, I am going to be absolutely zero help to you as far as that is concerned. It's just the way it's been in my life ever since I can remember. So, but it's interesting because the Robert thing only my mother used to call me that when I was in trouble. Uh, I tend to be Bob under my working name, on my teaching name, and I'm Rob for home and family. uh, For no good reason. Hang on. Strange things are going on. Bear with me a second. Staff have bought me a cup of tea. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, good timing. So, yeah, the Bob thing, I don't know, but I use it to my advantage because I can be three different people
1: yeah cool that's uh um so one of the things you have to accept i think um and just um, go with it so
2: mm-hmm. keep pestering other
1: people about it but
2: i hope yeah it's, someday somebody may come up with an answer for it. i could make something up for you i'm good at that i do that all the time
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay i was just thinking that maybe you can you can answer. no no <laughs> your background in your work uh, was or still is as an engineer yeah. so you got that um very precise mind I would say my wife is engineer my uh, father in law is engineer, mm-hmm. and it's, that my little one's gonna be engineer as well mm-hmm. um I am nearly an engineer would like to say um or at the current times, everybody who is technician is called the engineer, the gas engineer and stuff like that driving mm-hmm. uh, proper engineers mad, but I am a car technician <laughs> so <laughs> In the brackets of being engineer um how um, that thinking is applied to your karate and martial art in general life in general Uh, is that what you're driven by or or that comes in comes out
2: no i I think actually it's a difficult one to say because people go into engineering but i think you are either an engineer or you're not and that comes i've always been the same even as a small child is having to know why. And I think that is just something that is in your psyche. You know, you can't just accept things. You always have to understand why and burrow down and find the reasons. And if there aren't reasons, then you have to keep niggling at things until such time as you find them. <clears throat> and, and that seems fairly common to certainly all the good engineers I've ever met. They're all that way inclined. They're all people who, even if nobody was paying me to do this for a living, I would still be doing that because that's just the way my head has to work. You know, I can't not know.
1: Mm. The, the, the why thing is actually driving me mad. I might join all the people, martial artists who I know who are bold mm-hmm. because my son is asking it about 2,000 times a day. Why, <laughs> why, 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 why? <coughs> Which is a good and bad at sometimes. I'm I'm happy that he wants to explore stuff, but just mm-hmm. Relentless, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the joys of it. Yeah, you
2: can understand how people who work with me feel.
1: <laughs> um, do you think that <clears throat> that questioning all the time is puts you in the, the, as you described it, in the dark place of karate, and I'm currently on slippery slope. And can you explain and delve into that dark
2: place? Okay. Uh, you see, I don't consider it as being particularly dark or even shady, to be (laughs) honest. It's just, for me, it's the logical progression of where to go. And I've been sliding down that slope into the dark place, if you like, for a very long time. Probably even before I started considering myself a practical martial artist. All the way through my serious karate training, I, even in the coloured belts, I was already looking at the whys and what's going on behind this, and how does this work and what does this mean? Because, as I say, that's just the way my brain works. Um, But once you start doing that, it starts leading you to a set of conclusions that don't really sit with the continued practice of the 3K style karate. Mm. You know, Um, and I'm I still enjoy that. I perfectly happily did that for many, many years. And if it wasn't for circumstances beyond my control, I probably still would be. Um, but I was put in a position where I had to make a choice of one or the other. And I had to follow what, what, where my heart was going rather than just sticking to doing the same stuff. And it was probably a good thing because I think if I carried on doing what I was doing, I probably wouldn't be in karate anymore. Mm. Because I'd got to the stage where, well, what I'm doing this year is what I did last year and what I did the year before. And, and I, I get bored very quickly. Mm. Yeah, I think just... that's what that's one of the key things that um,
1: puts people away from karate, especially from 3 K. My mm. wife <clears throat> when we met, she she's a second dan in different completely different style. I would consider them borderline 3k but not practical if that makes Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. Uh, and and those syllabus after the first done, it's uh, you're just gonna teach we're doing this old stuff and just gonna teach you're gonna teach more and that's gonna learn well to extend it's true because when you're learning you uh, when you're teaching you're learning more yeah they've got a massive drop out of people um, so either we're speaking with them because we're friends, and they say that you know we're just staying because it's a social activity now. We're not learning anything new, or just mm-hmm. go. It's in a way, um, from my point of view, it's like they're treating it like a, a driving license, something to achieve, and that's done. You can cross it off. Uh, mm-hmm. From it. it's done and move on to something else.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and. Yeah, I've seen that a lot and again when I was in the traditional side you'd see it happen all the time. Once i have been there for a while, you'd see people come up, they'd come up, they'd come up, they'd take their showdown and then they might turn up the next week and if they did, they might stay three months, six months and then disappear. They've ticked that box, they've got their black belt and they're off to do something else now. Um, I was slightly odd and I I don't know where it was I don't know if it came from my training that I'd done before I had the long break but I had set myself a target when I first started back in Shotokan but my target wasn't black belt, my target was third Dan Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because for me I think, I don't know that I had the understanding of where we were going but for me I saw showdown as being a step and Mm -hmm. once you got to third Dan then you were starting to know something about what you were doing and understand what's going on behind what you were doing Uh, and that that was a goal but what happened with that was that the closer I got to it the less it mattered to me you know and and that's a, a thing in my training at the moment really I have no interest in the grading system I have to run a grading system in my class Because it's expected and there are actually many positives (laughs) to that for students coming up and for me as an instructor to see my students go through that coming up. But on a personal level, it's not a motivator for me at all anymore. And So, you know, I've got certificates up on the wall. They're the last ones I'll ever get. I'm out of the system now and I can't see any motivation for going back to it.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um... I, I do um, uh, emphasize with your um, saying that about that about the black belt is becoming later just a, a kind of side effect of training. I did mm-hmm. try as well to have a group without the belts, but I finding that a uh, modern society or maybe just uh, the Western society is <clears throat> have to have that short term goals and the reward. It's like a carrot and a stick, isn't
0: it?
1: <clears throat> Are you mm-hmm. going with? got this belt i've done well i'm gonna push it to next one next one next one there's only a few people i met who i have to uh, actually force to and uh, get another belt one of my students is just like you know i don't want it so i have to force him to wear the new belt because he just wants the white one he doesn't care but <laughs> majority especially the younger people i need that um that graduation uh, grat- grat- gratification that's the word that i was looking for gratification yeah. You know, I achieved something, I'm doing well, I'm on the right track.
2: Um. It's, it's interesting the way it works. And again, I don't know if maybe it is age related. Uh, I don't teach children anymore. I, I did it for a number of years and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think there's a lot of benefit to it for young people, but it's a different thing. And I'd got to the stage where I wanted to do what I wanted to do for me and follow my path rather than keep teaching the same old syllabus stuff <clears throat> for their benefit. So I, I did that for a number of years, happy to do it, was happy to walk away from it and do my thing from then on. And it's interesting. I don't know if it's because of my age, but the age range of the people who come to me are typically 40 plus um, I have a guy, the guy I'm thinking of particularly, who's been going through my grading system, came to me on his run up to his 50th birthday. And he'd set himself a target, I think, as, as having reached the half century, that he wanted to be a black belt by such and such a time in karate. Mm. He, he'd done other martial arts many, many years ago, but he sort of set himself that as a target. And coming to me as an adult and going through the grading system, <laughs> even him in his fifties, having set himself that as a specific goal for one of the things he was going to do by a certain point from his age, he's got, before COVID came in, he got about halfway through the queue system. Uh, He's about fifth queue. He may have been going for fourth queue next grading. But again, that has just come down to his attitude is, yeah, I don't really care about the grade. I'm here for the training, not the grading. Mm -hmm. So that I don't know if that's my influence being a bad thing rubbing off on him, or if he just decided that what we were doing was more interesting than the goal of of getting through the system.
1: I, I think it's a mix because I don't teach children either, and I spoke recently with Jamie Gray. Uh, he doesn't teach children either.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that mentality is coming from you learn from your teacher. Either you 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 copy your teacher knowingly or unknowingly. Mm in in a, a physical manner and, and psychological i, I believe mm-hmm. but then you're adding that layer of yourself because <clears throat> i'm tired of teaching same all same stuff <laughs> in beginners. You know, so i i can see that uh, and i'm happy that we've got the really small club so even if people coming uh let's say f- uh, fresh they're kind of jumping on level where everybody else is and they're catching up yeah uh, but yeah, yeah, I can see that you know, it's, it's gradually, the more you show to them that it's not important, the less important for them it is. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can see that. Uh, but going back to what I was saying earlier, because my teaching, much like everything else I tend to do, uh, which is going to sound strange coming from an engineering background, but I'm relatively unstructured in what I do. I have a syllabus, I have written it down, and I have a step progression through the gradings, but my lesson plans are not necessarily geared that way.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's, I will go in with a rough plan on, we're going to do this tonight. This is what I think is important. This is what we were working on, or this is what we need to work on. And then you'll find that we'll drift halfway through the class because somebody will ask a question and (coughs) we'll get into the, but what if this happens and what if, well, I don't know, let's explore that and, and see what happens. So it's very easy to get into a loop of well okay the syllabus for your next grading is this but tonight we're doing that instead because that's more interesting than doing this uh, and what I find from my point of view as an instructor it's good to come back to the gradings occasionally because I can then see the holes in what I'm teaching not what the student is learning but things that for a level they really ought to know and have down and grounded, I have been lax in getting them to the standard for that part because I've been more interested in in doing something else. Uh, But again, it's fortunate, as you say, I've got a very small group. We can play catch up on those things when we need to. And because (coughs) you're dealing with adults um, and everything we do is functionally sound, the body mechanics and the biodynamics are all sound. Just polishing the edges of those things is not much of an issue. But I, I, I do tend to worry that if I don't go back and do that, we will lose some of those fundamentals. And, and you do need to to have that grounding.
1: Mm. So I, I'm exactly like you. Um, so I go with the, with a the plan. But the plan always goes away because people ask questions and we're drifting and doing mm-hmm. things. <laughs> Which, which I really like. I like when people are asking questions and we can, like you said, explore. And, and I'm using the syllabus as, um, like you said, for me, not necessarily for my students. It's like a roadmap for students, what they can expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is for me to, like you said, see what we're doing and where we're going. Yeah. And I use the kata. So my syllabus is um, focused on all about the kata. So mm-hmm. all the within the kata. Yeah. And kata as a, that anchor to keep me within the frame of work, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know because sometimes for me, it's very difficult to <clears throat> unmix the sporting side of wrestling uh, and background when I've been teaching for a long time in Poland.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm enjoying that, that avenue as well. So sometimes I'm going drifting and we're going so far into the uh, wrestling side of stuff um, that it kind of loses the, the side of the karate, if you, if you see what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or kind of like to explore both things, but, uh, you know.
2: Yeah, it's, I think one of the difficult things is demarking what is karate. I've, I've had a bit of jiu-jitsu in my background. Uh, the students coming through have done similar. So I've done a bit of Brazilian style jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu, and I also did traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu a few decades back now. Um, So there's a lot of that that informs the way I see things. But also as I've got older, um, I'm only a few weeks off, 63 now, I can't do a lot of the karate style things that I did Mm. when I was 20. So my my training tends to drift. So what I see as karate is very much my karate, and, and my karate is whatever I do. But it's called karate because I'm a karate instructor. Mm. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, if we end up grappling or we end up rolling on the floor or we end up locking or or twisting and turning people, as far as I'm concerned, it's still karate. It's just what I do. And if I can step back and say, oh, now we've done that. Now, if you step back and look at the shapes we've done there, you can see Kata in that or you can see that in Kata. And I can make a connection. And if I can make any sort of connection there, then... It's valid karate as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, <clears throat> in case of wrestling, it's kind of um, a few things doesn't work like that because if I um, go to the sporting side and suddenly we do and I pin you on the back for three seconds and then I jump <laughs> up and there, I can't really, <laughs> as a karate for you, you know, self-defense
2: or whatever, you want to pin somebody yeah. for three seconds. That's not an issue for somebody like me, because if you get me on my back on the floor, it's going to take me about five minutes to get back up again. <laughs> I'm not quick off the ground. So once I'm down there, we're staying. <laughs> because That's what I was
1: talking with Jamie Gray as well. Because you are um, a tall person, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the
2: groundwork is not your natural place, isn't it? No, no, no. I find it very hard. Uh, and I certainly found that when I did the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu stuff. Um, I have mixed feelings about it as practical Mm self-defense but there are some really good skills to be had there and the guy I was with was a really good teacher Mm -hmm. but it's not built for people my size you know getting into those positions particularly if you're grappling with somebody who's a foot shorter than you
1: Hmm.
2: you've got no chance of getting into those spaces yeah yeah so it's it's not for people like me and to be honest if it wasn't for the rule set and it wasn't for me learning to use the skills, I don't see me ending up in those positions very often because I wouldn't let the person get that close in the first place. Sometimes you can't avoid it. So you need to spend time on the ground. You need to have a basic understanding of some of these skills. But it's not what I would prefer to do. So I need to know enough to try and get me out of trouble if it comes to it but it's never going to be a go-to for me because it's not my environment.
1: Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I enjoy rolling and i done BJJ as well for uh, for a year or two. <clears throat> not in uh, any significant way that I can put anywhere saying that I've done BJJ. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that uh, you cannot fight with something you don't know. If you at least uh, know what's going to happen or what to expect, mm-hmm counter that and be better prepared than just being dragged and say, oh, shit, I don't know what's going on and I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I recommend everybody having a, a being torn and thrown and, you know, um, being pulled and dragged into the floor and uh, see how it goes.
2: Yeah, agreed. It's definitely, definitely something worth having a go at. And, you know, like I say, locally, I know a really good guy for doing that. What I don't have is any issue with saying to somebody, well, if you're interested in that, go and see him. Mm. Because if they then come back and say, Yeah, actually, I enjoy doing that more than I enjoy doing this. Well, great. You know, it you're supposed to be doing what you want to do, not what I want you to do. So <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have any problems with that sort of thing, with recommending people I know who have skills that I basically just don't. I don't make a pretense about what I do. I have a very limited skill set, okay? Because as I've gone through my karate career, what I've done is shave off things that aren't applicable to me. So when people are coming to me to learn my karate, they genuinely are doing that. Mm. I have enough of a grounding in all the skills through 20 odd years of, of classical karate to teach them all the stuff you'd see on a 3k syllabus but I don't do a lot of that myself so if you're coming to me to learn the full 3k gamut I'm not the guy
1: mm.
2: but I know people who are so you know that's fine
1: I think I think that's that comes with the um, lack of insecurity I see that you know <clears throat> everybody who I met ever met, most 90% I cannot generalize um <laughs> are Um, confident in what they do and happy with what they do they don't have a problem with recommending anybody else Mm -hmm. Um, because uh, you want people to be happy and do what they want instead of keeping them tied to your dojo and not letting them anywhere else Um, I find that
2: strange in karate sometimes it's strange but it doesn't seem to be very uncommon Uh, Mm. particularly on the 3k side that was entirely the background I came through Um, although my chief instructor to be fair to him at the time I was coming through he knew I was looking outside he even recommended some people to me so I could go and explore those things and that muddled along fine for a long time but I think because I wasn't making a secret about what I was doing there was some concern that other people might think it was all right as well. And I think also it got to the stage where the classical karate wasn't attracting the same numbers as it was when I started. Mm -hmm. So I think anything that encouraged people to look outside or think differently and not follow the party line became discouraged as time went on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if that was just you know, if that's an ego thing or just down to the trying grimly to hang on to what you've got, mm. because there are so many options now that there weren't when I started. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's uh, it's changed a lot in the last 10 years. Um, it changed quite significantly in the last 20 years. When I first started in the late 70s, you really had to search to find somewhere to go and learn any martial art. So karate was basically the option that I drifted into, Mm -hmm. despite that not being because being a child of the 70s, Enter the Dragon was my introduction to the martial arts. Um, But the closest thing I could get was Shotokan Karate, which was a 45 minute to an hour bus drive away Mm -hmm. from where I lived that was what i could get and when you're that age it's all punching and kicking and putting your legs up in the air it all looks the same yeah uh, so so that was good enough at the time
1: yeah i think i was fortunate with my teacher because he always encouraged to go to different system styles teachers and, and try stuff <clears throat> and kind of um all of us done it um but yeah, he was saying as well that when he started teaching or when he joined in in late 70s that there was so many people in the dojo that the instructor could throw people away because there was queue waiting for people so mm-hmm. not, not that you know that why you're not tough enough get out of my dojo there's 10 people waiting to come in for your spot
2: yeah <laughs> uh, well when my first dojo I say my first I had a very short foray in in 1973, and I think I lasted about six weeks at the time. I was, I'd only just turned 15. I'd just seen End of the Dragon. I was keen to go somewhere, but it was just a, a local dojo had set up around the corner and the beginners went in and you were given to a brown belt to teach the beginners. And the guy who was teaching was just basically a very loud shouty bully of a guy with no teaching ability but just wanted to shout at you and tell you what an idiot you were. And even at the age of 15, I wasn't the sort of person who thought, yeah, this is for me, (laughs) I'll put up with that. (laughs) I thought, no, forget that, that's not for me. But when I started training seriously under Paul Perry, when I first started back in 78, yeah, there were probably half a dozen people instructing in the room. And every belt group going up had about 20 people. And so there'd be 20 people in the beginner's section. Then the next belt up, there'd be another 20 people with another instructor. And we'd have the whole length of the leisure centre. And there were probably 150 people training any Friday night.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: you know. Yes. And now if you go into a dojo that's got more than 10 to 15 people, it's a very healthy dojo.
1: Mm, yeah, exactly. <clears throat>
2: Uh, you mentioned the, the
1: teaching um, side of things. Um, how do you find in karate compared to other uh, stuff? <clears throat> Me being involved in teaching uh, from the wrestling side, I think karate is lacking uh, one common way of teaching. Nobody teaching really how to teach. It's the individual search in it. Either you done some education with it, or you practice, or you re- research it. <clears throat> but one. Um, guide how to teach one methodology for karate, it's all kind of patchwork for me. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is where the three Ks tends to find it easier. Very few people I've seen are taught how to teach. Mm. But if your style of karate is just monkey see, monkey do, as long as you can make the shapes and shout the numbers one to 10, in a poor japanese accent
0: Mm. then
2: you're a karate instructor um and this again is one of the things that i had and still have a bit of an issue with is people teaching who aren't teaching so as i say you can put a gi on it can hide a multiple of sins and if you don't teach the body mechanics correctly and understand the body mechanics correctly you can do a lot of damage to your students.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It might take a long time. It might take 10, 20 years to show, but you can hurt people by poor teaching methodology and not understanding the mechanics behind what you're doing. Uh, and even now, it's not that I'm particularly magic, but one of the things that bugs me is I get guests come through my dojo reasonably often. I'm What i build myself on in the past is the bit on the side, you know, so you can do your normal training, that's fine. But if you're interested in the sort of thing I do, but don't want to transition, you don't want to give up what you're doing, then come to me, that's fine. There's no onus to get into the system or anything. And we can just do that. You can come and join in. It's interesting, we'll have a bit of fun. You might learn some things. But I get people come through my door who are brown belt first and second and above and they cannot do the basics correctly. They don't know how to move. They don't know how to stand. Their joint alignment is, there are just fundamental things wrong, but that is the state of a lot of karate as I see it these days. And I think it's particularly on the back. And like I say, I taught kids for a long time. I'm not anti it at all. I think it's a very worthwhile activity for children. But I think because karate has become seen as this children's activity, as long as you can sort of look right, make the shapes and go through the steps on the syllabus, that's good enough. I don't think people are looking at adult biomechanics deeply enough to understand it.
1: Yeah, so uh, about this methodology and stuff, I, I really um, wish that uh, we had a better one in, in karate. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 just um, started to gather resources from my um, coaching in uh, wrestling and stuff, and I'm gonna have an attempt to write a book about the methodology of my teaching in karate. So um, mm.
2: well, it, are... it's it's definitely I wouldn't say it's an issue in my club because my club works really well, and I think the way I teach for the subject matter that I teach seems to work well also there doesn't seem to be a problem with that but what I couldn't do is take the way I teach and expand that and say okay now we've got 40 people here I can teach you that way because I have to be too hands-on you know it, it, it doesn't expand it's not a scalable thing Sure, um, <clears throat> I think that um, uh,
1: in karate from the other side we are very fortunate that um, there is a lot of people <laughs> who are natural teachers uh, so because you know karate i'm just, just going to put the extra light um karate is not something that is well paid if you teach it uh mm-hmm. most some people have to do ex- 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 accept <laughs> that rule but in general it's not something so you need to really want to, to do and i'm finding that the people drawn to teaching are kind of natural teachers so not trained teachers, but got that ability through genes, through I don't know, just like being an engineer. You are a born teacher or not? Yeah, that's kind of my, my belief, and that's what I'm saying for myself. I'm not a trained teacher. My old teaching education was after I started teaching and realized that uh, I don't know what I don't know.
2: If that makes no, sense? No, yeah, no, and- I understand that. But again, this is I think why the onus is on me to really understand what I'm teaching. So if I don't understand the whys and wherefores and everything right to a, a real deep level on what I'm teaching, then I can't just step back and, and make the shapes and show you stuff. I have to understand it's the way I learn. And then if I have the understanding, I can teach you because no matter what question you ask, we can burrow down into those answers. So, so that's the way I, t- I tend to approach it. It's interesting to hear you say uh, not many people make a lot of money out of karate. <laughs> I laugh because invariably, unless it's a very good week, it costs me money every time I teach. Yeah. I and mean, that has done for 13, 14 years now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not in it to make my fortune. <laughs> it's stretching yeah, well, the
1: imagination. I'm trying to be in it to make my fortune and my empire, as I say, mm-hmm. but uh, this is the first year, funny enough, with the COVID, that I'm actually not losing money on karate, but it's only because i done T-shirts and, and stuff like that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> plus the books and, and stuff, so I'm balancing at nearly zero, but mm-hmm. I'm not losing money, so I, I consider myself as a success in a karate world.
2: Yeah, well, it's like the stuff Brian, Andy and I do together. Again, we're never going to retire on the proceeds of that, but what we do get to do occasionally is go out for a curry on somebody else's money, yeah. Uh, and from our point of view, that makes us very happy.
1: That's great. Um, I, earlier you said that you know you adjusted your uh, your karate to with your age. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just uh, past forty, so my body is starting turning against me. Starting to. Be my, <laughs> you um, have a lot to look forward to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of start, you know? but I think a lot of people, including myself, um, have got a struggle with um, admitting that we're not accepting the changes and that we need to change the, me- the methodology of training for ourselves. <coughs> because I still got that 20-year-old brain there who mm-hmm. tells me that, you know, yes, you can do this. And then two days later, it's like, uh, why did I do that, you know? So what's the key to um, training efficiently and not getting injured? Um, I'm asking you because you're a bit more experienced than I am. Uh am. You've got your illnesses and
2: stuff. How to Um, work around things and don't make it worse for for ourselves? I'm going to say I'm probably going to let you down here because I was having this conversation earlier with my wife today, actually, (laughs) is that looking out from behind my eyes, I'm still 20.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, if you look in the mirror, I don't know who that old guy is. He's not the guy who's in my head. Now, so there are things that I can't do. So there are things I specifically don't try to do. High kicking is one of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I still don't believe that I couldn't do a Jodan Dan mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't tried for some time. I know I can't do high side kick thrust kick Mm -hmm. uh, because again this comes back down to understanding biomechanics because the damage I did to my hips under instruction of my instructors trying to do something that physically isn't possible with the way the human body works yeah so I'm fairly sensitive about things like that Uh, but what i found is that a lot of the stuff that would be damaging. I just don't need to do anymore. Uh, and again, like I say, because I've naturally evolved my karate to suit what my skills and what my strengths are, I never really have to put myself in a situation uh, of of doing myself harm. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> so there's no no way to uh, acknowledge that you're not twenty year old year old in the brain if you have all. all
2: oh, up- I- I'm sure some people can, but my concern is, and I saw it with my father, my concern is that if you start thinking like an old person, it becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah. You become that old person. Uh, So, like I say, in my head, I say I'm still that 20-year-old looking out. The reality is I'm probably 12. (laughs) <laughs> and if if you look at the things I do, the things I say, and the things I enjoy doing, I'm very much regressing. I'm not that mature adult that I was briefly at the age of about 19 to 21. It was a, a phase I went through and grew out of again.
1: Uh, I've seen I've seen you taking very risk risky decisions with the comments, uh, especially about <laughs> in cleaning the ovens and stuff like that. Very,
2: uh, very, very risky. Stella and I have been together. A very long time. We had our 40th wedding anniversary this year. We've been together 43 years. We were very young. But this is going to sound awfully smug again. But what I did as a conscious thing, even as a teenager, is not pretend to be somebody I wasn't. So that when we were together and when we got together, this is what you were getting. So she's very familiar with me and and. What I say and what I mean and the way we interact together, and she gives as good as she gets it's to be honest, if you want to know who's in charge in the relationship, don't look at me on the camera because you're not seeing the boss here
1: uh, yeah I, I, I totally know that I've got the same same here <laughs> uh, and f- funny enough, more I'm talking to you, and more I see my uh, my older lef- reflection, if that makes sense because um, that must be I... very
2: disappointing for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because I, I had the same with, with my wife when we got married. You know, I say, you see what you what you're getting. You know, yeah. You, you read that book. That's what you get, and, and you know, and, and mm-hmm. I can get the jokes like that as well, and it's all, all fine. So I, I can I see what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah. It's... But it's a good entertainment for other people.
2: Well, and hopefully, going, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and going going into your comments, you you don't hold back on the criticizing size or side of, uh, of a martial arts and I would attribute that um, to a being engineer as well the conversation mm-hmm. with my wife and uh, she explained to me how um, and my father-in-law um, how her brain works <coughs> it's gonna be confirmation from you or not but engineer always looking for the false and the most um, depressing outcome is that true and that's
2: driving you to to mm. the i'm not sure depressing is the is the word uh, although, not de- not de- although de- it I- may well be listening to me other people get quite depressed i, I, can, <laughs> I can understand that but yes no, I- what you're looking for is failure and how yeah. to avoid failure yeah that's it that's it yeah because so, that's the thing you can't afford um i tend to be and again this is from my working side i wouldn't say my karate side so much because I'm fundamentally quite a lazy person. But from my working side, I've also never been of the opinion that good enough is acceptable. Good enough may work, but it's not good enough. It Mm. can be better. And if it can be better, then it should be better. But you've got to balance that with what I see as a lot of stuff. And I see particularly... In the martial arts is people try to over complicate their solutions and for me the best solution has to a work but it's got to be as efficient as it can be and as little effort as it can be and that may again be down to the fact that i'm in my 60s now but if i can find a working solution that requires not too much movement not too much effort and is sound and reliable and works why would I look for a more complicated solution to that same problem? I, but,
1: I, I love overcomplicating things, I love it. It's the more, more complicated
2: moves, the more interesting. <laughs> well, there's a lot more fun to it. And the thing is, you go to seminars, you see these things all the time. People want, their, and you've got to look at it two different ways as to why you're doing the martial art. I do the problem solving and the basic problems of self-defense For somebody like me who lives in a relatively safe area and is also six foot three and 16 stone um, and has a certain look about them, self-defence isn't a daily issue for me. Mm. So I have a set of go-to things that I know work with people my size and above. And if I apply them to smaller people, then smaller people are going to get damaged by them. Uh, But there's a limited amount of fun to be had in that because they're You know, there's not a lot of things to do. So you make problems and you start to look for more and more esoteric problems. And this is where Cata really comes in as a way of keeping me sane for problem solving, is that (coughs) there's a a running joke again between Brian and Andy and anybody else who knows me, that basically everything I need to know and everything I need to demonstrate is in techie. Mm that's not because techie is magic it's just because everything i do and everything i know i can relate it back to that and say well if you do this it's like that but i also do it with the first couple of hean katas and having done that really to teach what i teach from a practical point of view if we do techie shodan hian shodan hian nidan that's probably 99 percent of everything we need to know And I could just hang all my karate on that and never do anything else. Mm. But the exploration of kata and finding meaning to kata and looking at all the things and the subtleties that go with that become an academic interest for me then. So they need to be practical and workable solutions, but they are variable solutions to problems I've already fixed, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So they're there to provide a depth of interest. And also just because my answers (coughs) exist in those couple of kata and the stuff I do, if people are coming to me to learn, it doesn't mean that their answers are my answers. So, for instance, um, like I say, my approach and the stuff I do, no disrespect intended here, it certainly, almost certainly wouldn't work for you because a lot of what I do relies very fact much on the fact that I'm a big lump that I know how to deliver really efficiently. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of weight hitting you in a very short space, very quickly. And for most situations, that's all you need. But if I was five foot six and eight stone, the things I do to protect me would not work for you, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So so there's a lot more to explore. And what I've been doing more and more so in recent years, I think, is probably exploring other people's problems. And this is why it's good to teach. And this is why it's good to do seminars and get involved in all these things. Because I'm having to ask questions that personally I don't need the answers to. Mm -hmm. Which also means that I'm not just looking at scale. I have to understand the problems other people are facing, the way the world works if you're a different size or a different size and a different gender. And, and I'm spending an awful lot of my time these days trying to get into the head of people who aren't this person, mm-hmm. yeah? And again, so that's a whole new thing for me and it's a whole new field of study and it's another thing that keeps me interested. Mm. I think that's one of
1: the issues in, in karate <clears throat> that um... A lot of instructors are convinced that um, the things they're doing are going to be working for the other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always, uh, I don't know, always done and, and saying, you know, I can pull that off because it's me. i yes. moved that way. I've got my own habits, the way I've been taught. But you don't have to. You have to find your own ways to find the solutions, to the problems we, we're working on. Mm-hmm. I can give a guidance but I don't necessarily give you a solution because you're not me, simply.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the big things straight away with that is that even with people who I teach and some of the people I teach are my size, that's that's fine, that's fair enough. So we do the same things mechanically and the physics of it should mean they work. But that is only part of the picture. Mm. What works for me is a combination of my mentality, my mindset, and my physicality you can't separate the two so a phrase i I used in the past but it's a phrase that seems to be the approach of a lot of traditional martial arts is that technique isn't magic just because you know a technique just because you can do a technique is no guarantee that that technique will work for you Mm. and i think this is where people fall over it when they actually try things in the real world is that well, I did this technique in dojo, I can do it properly, my instructor said this, my instructor said that, but it doesn't work for you because you know the technique, but that's only a small part of the picture.
1: Mm. I was just reading the um, book from by John his new book. Um, you know John, don't you? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and one of the things he said that you, know, you, you should go through the list, what are you able to do under stress? So mm-hmm. a lot of people, training and never do that list and i went through that list and yeah, i've been in a few alterations but reading through it i said well i, I couldn't intentionally try to kill the person even if that i think i believe uh, at the moment i never been tested in the way that somebody tried to kill me mm-hmm. i would be able to kill the person in self-defense i think i, I, think I would fail um through my own i don't know um, belief system or morality i cannot be sure because i've never been in a situation like that it's just
2: what my brain tells me at the moment it's a difficult one isn't it and that's it's not something well it is something that some people test but it's not something as part of your training you can ever test Mm. you can only work (laughs) on theory you can drill things you can think about things but Until that day comes, you never will know. Exactly. And it will depend on that day, because a decision you make on that day might not be the same decision you make on another day. Uh, And this is where you hear a lot of, oh, well, I would do this. I would do, would you? Would you really do that? It's easy to say these things. And again, a lot of the stuff I do, I do it in my teaching, but my dojo isn't particularly different from anybody else's. We do martial arts training. Mm -hmm. We discuss self-defense, but I'm looking for practical stuff. But when I'm doing things like the Rory Miller courses or we're going away and we're doing stuff that we're rolling around on the nightclub floor or hitting each other with bottles off the side or playing on the iron stairs, the things I do then, I go out of my way to make people feel uncomfortable. I do all sorts of weird things. and again, I don't know if this is normal behaviour uh, or if it's just come from my background and that the damage I carry over the years, is that I am comfortable with doing things that most people get very, very squeamish about very yeah. quickly. And what I've always said is that learning self-defence is about <laughs> becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. You do not have to take that step past your personal lines. But what you do need to understand is where your personal lines are drawn, because it's too late to find that out when the situation comes. If you've been thinking, well, I can rely on this, I can rely on that, and then you find, I can't cross that line, then all the training that you've done for years before that counts for nothing. Mm. So you need to try and understand those things You can only simulate most of it, and you can only talk about these things and get these pictures in your head, but you do need to take the time to sit and consider these things seriously, rather than just the glib, oh, I would just do so-and-so, which a lot of people, you you spend as much time on the forums and the Facebook groups (laughs) as I do. You see all the people sitting there all the time saying, oh, well, I I wouldn't do that because that doesn't work. You just want to do so-and-so. Do you? Do you really? Do you yeah. think you could do that? <laughs> you know, um, and I have, yeah, I have lots of pictures in my head of things that I am fairly comfortable that I probably could do, but I don't know because I've never had to, and it's no yeah. use pretending otherwise. I am not a street fighter. Mm. Never I had pretended a, to be.
1: I had a, a kind of <coughs> eye opener for. Um things what you can do and when you cannot do. Um, when I joined in the paramedic school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there was some, certain things that I was feeling that you know we've been told so much that you know uh, you're gonna see blood you can you can pass pass out mm-hmm. um, the uh, birth delivery and it's so, so shocking for some people and, and stuff and I you know I thought, I thought that it might be it's gonna be difficult, but I found it very easy. Um, mm-hmm. I never expect that reaction. But the one thing which uh, always comes back to me, we've been um, assisting, uh, one of part of our training was assisting in operations. Mm-hmm. So in uh, part of anesthesiology, so playing with the the dosages, or just giving the tools, the easier stuff. And uh, we had a guy, um, some operation on the stomach opening and stuff. And I thought, oh, that's going to be awful. And I was surprised to myself that within that, 20 minutes of looking at somebody's guts being pulled out, I was thinking, what i am going to have for lunch if I'm going to have it with the ketchup <laughs> or I'm going to have it
2: with mustard? You're wondering whether you're having sausages today.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> you, know, and you, you analyze that and thinking what on earth? Is that the coping mechanism to brain just being taken away completely from a situation Uh uh, or is the train we had that, you know, in the Paramedic Festing, which we've been told you have to treat people as objects because if you get emotionally attached, it's going to ruin you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of. Uh,
2: you know, yeah, you I, get- I, I can see that. I can see that because it, it, it's. Again, it sounds awful to say it out loud, but when I'm actually training in those situations my mindset is that I really don't care about other people. They're, they're not other people. They're just something for me to play with. Mm. Um, but I think when we're looking at fear of of what might happen and what might not happen, and what i found with many things in the past, is actually the fear of something is worse than the thing itself actually turns out to be. You know, the first time somebody punches you in the face and your nose explodes, you know, I've had that happen to me. Now, to think about that, you think, oh, no, no, I would hate that. When it's actually happening, it's just something that happened. Oh, well, never mind I. But thinking about these things, uh, breaking bones, dislocations, things that I've had in the past, if you talk to people about them, the fear of them will put them off. Mm. But what you find is that having been through them, it's so, yeah, whatever. It happens. It's like pain. You know, fear of pain is worse than pain. We're, we're well adapted to coping with pain. It's mm. just messages to the brain. But being afraid of being in pain is a, a good reaction. It helps us avoid a lot of things. Um, I'm talking rubbish now, but
1: no, no, no. It's very interesting. <clears throat> it just uh, brought my mind about the exploding nose. Nose. Last time I had the exploding nose, it was when I met uh, Don Kane. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we started, uh, nobody wanted to train with me on uh, joint seminar with Ian and um, Don. So they kindly enough been swapping with me. So when Don was teaching, I was training with Ian. When Ian was teaching, I was training with Don. Uh-huh. We decided with Don, go a bit more with Oomph. Um, and having the size of my nose, he went into way of his fist, and then uh, I spent 10 minutes sitting with the toilet paper <laughs> nose. Yeah. Um, since but, then we're good friends.
2: <laughs> they're, they're fine margins when you're training though. You know, yeah. this, this is the thing. And if your mindset is such that, oh, well, I wouldn't want that to happen. And that's a lot of what's happened in karate anyway. I don't know if it's the blame culture or whatever, but people are so keen on on not running any risks but you find that, well, once these things happen, they just happened. Nobody died. It was fine. Exactly. You know, I never, never,
1: thought, never thought to blame him on the spot. After, now I can use that all the time. Every time I see him, <laughs> he like, what choice am I break your noise?
2: Yeah, well, that's... See, the way I look at all these things, anything that happens like that in training, is what you actually end up with afterwards is a good story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, if you haven't got those tales to tell, then you haven't been training properly. Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> go, we drifted a bit, but it's good conversation. Um, I was going to ask you about how do you decipher the kata? How do you find the useful things? And I'm going to use, uh, again, John's teaching book, because I think there's a great, <laughs> word, great thing about forms. You, you are more, I'm not in the self-defense. I don't, it's not my expertise. But you, uh, John, Andy, and Brian are kind of well depth, in depth in that. Um, does kata contain movements which are not applicable? Because what uh, John is saying, perception of things which work in the stress might be completely different what they actually done. Mm-hmm. So They think we done uh, this and it worked. And actually it was completely different technique. Do are full of, of this stuff or there's space for it? Are we trying to over-engineer things?
2: I know what John means with that because particularly having been on one of his sim days and, and done some stuff and looked back at the videos afterwards that it's interesting that what you think you've done in a stress situation and then you look back at the video footage of what you actually did uh, was completely different, and the one that sticks out for me in the sim day that I did with John, we were doing some work with knives, and I was actually looking after in the scenario my son, who was a small teenager, who some Larry guy had come up and he pulled a knife on him. Mm-hmm. So what I was doing was protecting my son, got between him and the big guy who didn't even see the knife, mm-hmm. uh, and. I was calling him all sorts of names under the sun, my kid, for pulling this knife. This is the way John had set the scenario up. But I actually did, in my head, what I thought was a really good disable. I got behind him, I'd pulled his head up, I'd locked his arm out and controlled the weapon. But okay, calm the situation down, this other guy can off. And I'll... But when I look back at the video, what I had missed entirely was the fact that the boy, before I got hold of him, had swapped the knife from one hand to another. Oh, right. So I thought I'd done really well in that situation, and I was quite pleased with myself. But when you look back at it, what I'd done was, if it had been any in, in intent, totally ineffective. Mm. So this is one of the things we did at the last Suju session, when we do the nightclub sessions, myself, Brian and Andy. We had a gauntlet at the end where we have a number of scenarios and different things set up around various places in the nightclub. So we've got two floors and a dozen rooms and things to to use, the toilets, the stairs, everything. So we set up various stations with people who were going to do different things. The people going didn't know what was coming. We would run them through some hard aerobic stuff for a couple of minutes before they went, so they were already gasping when they started. We put them all the way through these gauntlet things. That was fine. They came back up the stairs back to the end area and the very last thing we did while they were exhausted and gasping but relieved to be over was then get them to give a witness statement Mm -hmm. of what had happened, where (coughs) they'd been uh, and what was going on. And it was really interesting to see we had one guy there who spent a lot of time on the doors, obviously did this whole thing very frequently. And he was quite clear and concise and he'd been paying attention. He knew exactly what was going on, but virtually nobody else really had any idea what had happened. All they knew is they'd been through it, Mm. but they didn't know what they'd done, how they'd reacted, what had happened to them. It was just stuff going on. And then there's a big thing that we backfill stories afterwards. Yeah. So we clarify things in our brain afterwards and we fill in the gaps Now, as far as I've been a long way going around the houses to get back to do CATA, contain moves for this, that, and the other, I think, and it's, again, my personal opinion and my personal approach, I think that people overcomplicate CATA to make it look more clever than it is. But that, again, may be down to my limitations. What I take from CATA, effectively, are principles and movement. Am I dropping my weight? Am I raising my weight? Am I twisting? Am I turning? Am I doing this? And I'm not trying to do anything particularly clever in my approach to things. What I'm doing basically is clubbing people with my excessive weight or knocking them over because I'm bad. So I don't do a lot of locks. I don't do, a a, you know, if something presents itself to you, then we train it, you take advantage of it. But as my go-to thing when I'm looking at Kata application, I'm looking to make things as simple as possible, as gross movement as possible. And it's not always a popular thing. It's not popular sessions at seminars because it doesn't look like proper karate. Mm. I think one of the very early on when I was doing this, I think the thing that summed it up is we were doing something from he and me. I was doing it in dojo with the old group that I used to be with. And the comment I got was, well, this isn't karate. It looks more like sumo. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, it's all in close and we're just wrestling because that's what happens. But people want it to look like karate.
0: Mm.
2: You know, and, and I think because of that, <laughs> even though the applied side is picking up really well, a lot of the stuff I see tries too hard to still look like karate.
0: Mm.
2: Where, But it's difficult to video principles of movement. You need to feel things. You need a partner and you need to be there. So I understand the limitations of the media with stuff that people are trying to get out there is that if you're looking at a video clip from a distance and you just see two guys shoulder to shoulder, head to head, uh, moving around... Seeing what's going on is virtually impossible, so you you can't really learn that stuff except by hands-on.
1: Mm. I, I'm I'm in a kind of a comfortable position because I don't teach the self-defense side of it. <clears throat> Although I believe that my stuff works, uh, the core stuff works. But mm-hmm. I I love um, overcomplicated stuff in kata.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I oh, like... and, uh, don't get me wrong I, I teach plenty of those things in dojo because what I run is a karate class mm. with an emphasis on self-defense I don't teach a self-defense class you know that's, a, that's an outside thing that's an occasional thing that we do mm.
1: I, I'm finding that a uh, lot of people who are training with the, they're saying that oh that's not karate that's uh, uh, a combat it's a combat system because you're throwing people you're sweeping the legs you, you're doing this or that I'm thinking, well, what does it matter if, if it's called mm. karate? I'm, I've got the gi, I'm a karate person.
2: Mm. Well, that's, to be honest, that's why I still dress up. Because if I didn't, nobody would know I was doing karate. Mm. And this is the thing. It comes down to the style and the look. I have dropped, uh, I armed and hard many times. And I know, because I've had this conversation with John a number of times. And he keeps coming back and saying, well, if you're teaching the kata then you're still doing Mm shotokan. But I've just, because my emphasis is different, although I am still teaching the kata, and I'm teaching the shotokan versions of the kata as I learned them, because effectively all I'm doing is hanging my martial art on those frames. So if I learn a different version of the kata, the kata aren't teaching me stuff. All I'm doing is hanging what I know on those shapes. So I don't see that it really matters which kata I do. But I've, I've, Walked away from the Shotokan label just because it causes so much consternation with real Shotokan people who, who tell you that you're not doing it right. So I'm not, I'm just doing karate. It's my karate. I've got my name on it and I do the Shotokan kata because I come from a Shotokan background, but I just stopped claiming to teach him. Mm. And it, I hung on to it for a while again because I was under the idea that. I would teach enough of it that it was portable. So if people came to me for a while and then went off somewhere else for their level and what they knew, they would fit into anybody else's shot again class. And again, in the last couple of years, I've sort of given up on that notion because people aren't coming to me and going somewhere else. So why do I teach them stuff to make it portable when they just want to learn what I'm doing? So we'll do that then. Yeah,
1: it is funny how um, people are attached to labels, as I hope John, John don't mind I'm going to say that, but <clears throat> I conversate with him quite a lot on online for the messaging and he was saying that um, if he puts stuff in a gi, he's putting off his self-defense people. Mm-hmm. If he puts stuff without a gi, he's putting off sh- uh, people from karate to his content. So it is kind of <clears throat> like I like you. I I and Ian as well. I dropped dropped the uh, the stylistic approach. Hence my change to uh, Lesbubka Karate Jutsu instead mm-hmm. of Shin Karate because <laughs> that's my base. But I'm doing my own interpretation of the movements. And yeah. as you said, it's just fucking movements.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, actually, it was Brian who said it originally. This was down at the bash but it was it was too good a <laughs> too good a slogan not to hang on to because effectively that's martial arts in a nutshell if you take all the labels away it is just fucking movements mm. and it's then what you do with them and as soon as you take those labels away you find the movements that we do the things we do in kata or the, even the on that we do if you take the label off and take that picture out of your head as oh this means so and so Those movements are applicable to so many situations, and they just work. Um, So, yeah, label disease is a a real issue, because it's just so limiting on your understanding of what you're doing, because you're trying to make what you do fit the label, rather than just exploring what you do and and what you can do with it. And that kind of um, label... Um, gives people justification
1: to criticize others. i finding, especially now when <laughs> I got this uh, TikTok challenge and I'm putting a lot of short clips when I cannot really explain what I'm doing because I've got 60, 15 seconds or 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Put the glimpses of uh, important things for me. And I've got a bunch of people going, no, that's wrong. You know, it's not karate. You're doing this. For... Heel up. <laughs> heel down. It's, what does it matter? Enjoy the video. If you like it, take whatever you yeah. want. You don't just, go away
2: i've got to be careful here because as i've not i've been fairly free with my opinions over the years so somebody could no doubt step back and find something but my feeling is that the moment somebody knows what's right or wrong you can put them under the heading of not really knowing anything at all if you know what's right and you know what's wrong you don't really understand what you're doing
1: you, you actually, because I don't know if you, if you um, aware of that, but Andy Allen took um, your, your um, what <laughs> the, the, the quote. Can I say quote or the part of your?
2: your... He, 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 yeah, he, he edited something that I said out of it. I can't recall what it was at the moment.
1: Uh, it was that the, the 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 it's a lifelong learning because people
2: teaching oh, yeah. understanding. Yeah. Yeah,
1: karate that, that takes well. a
2: lifetime to understand because it's mostly taught by people who don't understand it.
1: And actually, Andy upset me with this one uh-huh. because he kidnapped my, uh, my haters. I meant to be commenting on mine, not on his. <laughs> he had like hundreds of messages saying how you don't know nothing about karate because you said that. And if you knew,
2: you wouldn't say it. yeah well that's it is interesting isn't it because again this is where i say it comes down to target audiences and where i think personally i probably don't have that much of an audience because you've seen the sort of things i say in the comments i make and i have been doing that for many many years and this is the first time i've ever said anything that's visibly upset people enough for them to respond to (laughs) <laughs> um, I it, mean, it's it piles into insignificance compared to some of the things I've said over the years. <laughs> um, I'm, fi- I'm finding it it
1: very interesting how it, cha- it for me personally my mentality how it changed because when I started doing the YouTube videos and stuff, I was so worried about. It comes down to what you said: the fear of things is much greater than actually things happening well, to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I was so afraid of people criticizing my stuff um, and and overthinking it in the head. But when it actually starts happening, I'm kind of looking forward to it because it gives me content. Mm-hmm. And um, another engineer which I'm watching, I, I posted that video about flashlights. Um, he's an engineer for cars
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he embraces his uh, haters. He says that the, every video, if he doesn't have a 25% of haters, he's disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that on and I'm looking forward and I kind of looking forward to people to criticise my stuff because it gives me something to think about and uh, confirms well, that something my way, not copying somebody else.
2: There are a number of ways of looking at that. And of course, again, <laughs> the thing about getting negative feedback is that, again, it comes to the knowing your right or wrong thing. If somebody can say something, you can go away and think rather than just assuming you were right all the time. Somebody can say something. If you can go back and say, OK, I thought about it. No, I was right. But it's, it's still knowing you're right. But it's knowing you're right because you've not just assumed it. You've taken it back. Somebody's criticised it. You've looked at it and still decided you were right. Then for me, that is a different thing. Um, we should all be open to criticism and questioning all the time. Uh, there are a lot of people who will just tell you that you're wrong because you don't do what they do or just because that's what they do for a hobby
1: oh yeah I had that actually you just brought it to my mind again Um, because I do Naihanchi quite quickly I like to do it fluently Mm -hmm. and uh, I think Noah Ledger posted as well and Paul Maslov. I don't know if you were aware of him (coughs) done it quickly as well as uh, just just taking Mickey out of me and there was a few guys telling there, you know, oh, that's not how you're doing, you meant to do it slow and precise. So then myself, uh, Paul and Noah asked, well, can you explain why? Oh, no, because that's, that's if you knew, you would knew.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the classic answer, isn't it? It's yeah. the whole. Well, you obviously don't understand karate. and that was one of the things that Andy Allen got on my quote is that well you can't say that you obviously don't understand Hmm. well no I don't explain enlighten me tell me if you know I don't understand it must be that you know what it is I don't understand so explain it to me from your understanding and you will never get an answer to that
1: no that's that's funny my uh although in relation to wrestling but they've got their own issues I think every branch of martial arts has does. a similar issue. Yeah, <clears throat> it it's, it's our little hell. Our mm-hmm. little karate hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are people just you know, um, enjoying what they're doing, uh, uh, learning from everybody else, and those who I call them uh, protectors of the tradition, they must protect uh, their ways and stuff without
2: actually understanding them. Well, again... If that's what floats their boat and that's what keeps them happy, then fine. You know, um, and like I say, I did that for close on 20 years. I was doing that stuff all the time. I was doing my other stuff as well, but I was doing that. I was quite happy within that bubble, doing that that side of it and saw it as a self-contained thing. But it's not right or wrong. It was just a thing that I was doing and people who do it that way aren't wrong because they're not doing what I'm doing. They're doing what they want to be doing. Uh, It's when they come out of that bubble to tell me why what I'm doing isn't right. But they can't tell me why. I'm perfectly happy if they come out of the bubble to tell me what I'm doing isn't right and they've got a reason behind it and they can justify it because we can have the conversation and I might learn something.
1: Mm. I think it, that that brings us back to, uh, we talked about it when, when I hosted uh, bunkai Bastards. <coughs> Martial arts, in a way, I think all the activities are, in a way, politicians as well, it's kind of, we all got our own church and some people have the urge to bring that religion to the other person who clearly doesn't believe in their God. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of going through the ages, you can see that that's the human pattern that uh, our ways are the best, we need to bring bring you a religion, our way, civilization, yeah. whatever. Yeah. if If not by a, a gift we enforce it on you?
2: Well, yeah, I, I've been through phases of zealotry in the past myself. You know when I first started down the applied path, you're learning new things and suddenly it's a very exciting world of all these things that you didn't know existed that you're now discovering. And it's very easy to make the assumption that the reason other people aren't doing those is because they don't know. So you have to tell them. Uh, But after a period of time of going through that, you calm down a bit. You should realize that it's not that other people don't know. It's that they don't care. They're doing what they want to do. (coughs) You do what you like, but they're not interested in, in your little world. That's just for you. And I reconciled myself to that a long time ago, but I wouldn't say that I've never been guilty uh, of doing that because that just wouldn't be true <laughs> I, love
1: it. I think we all we all when we got the new thing the new best thing for us we try to gospel to other people mm. It's just how persistent you are with it and and what um how well you can observe your 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 actions i suppose that would be the getting the
2: yeah, the the thing that I, I say very often, uh, and particularly when criticising other people doing these things, it's fine, but you just need to take that step back and look in the mirror occasionally. If you can do to yourself what you do to other people, and still like what you see, then that's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: you know, you've got to <coughs> you've got to do self-examination. I think more so than worrying about what other people are doing.
1: So, uh, as a summary of our conversation. Uh, what would be the key points uh, to be a martial artist let's say karateka because we're both doing karate Um, to be practical and to end up in a dark place
2: Ah, see again I'm still stuck with this dark place because I'm in the light as far as I'm concerned so everybody else is in shadow for me the fundamental thing is an open mind it doesn't matter about anything else. It's not about skill. It's not about the level of knowledge. Because if you have an open mind, you can find out the knowledge. You can fill it with whatever you want to. You've got to have an open mind. And you've got to constantly use the why word, as you do with the small children. It's the whole thing. It's always why. You know, If something somebody tells you something, that's fine. Keep asking why. And if they run out of answers, keep asking yourself why and just go through that loop until there's nothing else to ask why about. Um, and for me, that's it.
1: I would, I would add, uh, because I'm on that, that part of the journey to the darker place, enjoy the slippery slope.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so far down the, the, that hill. <laughs> I'm just coming out to the tailing at the bottom now. It's just a case of seeing where it takes me.
1: Uh, Robert, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Thank you for the time. And uh, I really, really appreciate and (laughs) I'm really happy that I found Bunkai Bastards because uh, it keeps me in check with my my own work.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, two things that we aim to do and hopefully we achieve both of those is stop people taking themselves too seriously and make them step back and think about what they're doing. So the serious point is we want people to think for themselves. The other point is we want people to just lighten the fuck up. (laughs)
1: Let's finish on that one.